You're listening to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom of four young boys, I know motherhood's hard. But sometimes I think I make it harder than it needs to be by putting myself in the center of things or even my kids. I forget to place God there and be led by His Spirit. I also tend to forget that I'm surrounded by God. He goes before me, He walks with me on the hard days, and He comes behind me when I make a mistake. So each week I'll interview someone new and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. Welcome y'all to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. Okay, so I've interviewed my husband and I've interviewed my dad and I am really excited to have my mom in town as well and um, the fact that I get to interview her today and share her ministry story. So welcome mom, Kathy Price, to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. Thank you, Heather. It's good to be here. Okay, so most of the moms I interview, I start them off with, um, tell me about the ages and names of your children. Okay, I'd like to say they were 19, 18, and 14, (laughs) but my oldest daughter will be 52, uh, and my son is 47, and then we skipped a beat, and God sort of surprised me. With the best uh, child ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with a darling little girl 11 years after um, my son was born, and then we didn't want her to be an only child. Um, so two years after Heather was born, we had Adam, and so we have children of all ranges. As a matter of fact, our oldest daughter, he- Andrea, when we would ha- walk around with the baby, said, I'm not holding that baby. Everyone's going to think that baby's mine. <laughs> yeah, my sister was... 16 when I was born. <laughs> so, yeah, my parents definitely had two families. We did, and, and I always felt it was a blessing from the Lord because the first two, I did not know the Lord personally and um, didn't come to know them until Andrea was almost eight. Um, and I was very fortunate when I, uh, when I finally did come to the Lord to be able to lead Andrea to the Lord a very short time after I came to know Christ, and um, she was so excited about it. She went out and led two of her best friends to the Lord, wrote her own little track, and led them to the Lord, and they've been neat Christians ever since. And um, So tell me, first of all, before we go farther, tell uh, the listeners your story of how you became a Christian, because so you mm-hmm. kind of alluded to it. You were older. You already right. been married. You already had kids. So you, yes. you did not grow up in a home of faith. No, I did not. Um, it's interesting uh, because my father was a minister. Oh. And so you would think that, of course, I was raised in a Christian home. But no, I was raised in a religious home, and my father was a pastor for the first six years of my life. And then uh, because he was a mission pastor and... Um, my mom had her third child on the way. She pretty much said, enough of this. Um, but as I got to know the Lord personally, I found out that my father really was a minister, like so many who fill the pulpit, who did not understand a personal relationship with Christ. It was, for him, a religion. And didn't really come to know the Lord until he was 82 years old and read uh, Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter. So... I'm very excited about that, but my story, uh, actually... Um, Did you grow up going to church then? I, mean, I, I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, but it was all more of a social activity. I had my cultural. birthdays. It was, it was definitely a cultural thing, and, and I think um, 
it's probably hard for a lot of you your age to realize that our generation, everyone went to church. Mm. And because of that, I think it was very hard for people to understand the difference between religion and mm. true Christianity and following Christ. So that's sort of where I was. And when I uh, got married at a very early age, younger than my parents would have liked, and <laughs> had a young uh, baby girl, um, my husband was still going to Wabash College and life became very, very busy. And he'd been involved in, in his church and went occasionally. And I, of course, had always gone to church. And then the next thing I knew, um, my life got very busy. And I was taking uh, courses to uh, go to college and raising a little baby girl and doing all the things we needed to do to pay for my husband's education, making pizzas, doing all sorts of things, babysitting for professors. Our life became very full and very busy, and because of that, um, all of a sudden I found out I wasn't going to church very often. I was using that time to study, to clean the house, to do anything. And as much as church had filled my life, I realized I really didn't miss it that much. Mm. Um, because I had other activities to fill my life, and I realized that that's all it had been. So um, it wasn't until my husband finished um, law school, and uh, at that time he was active in politics, and we moved to a big house on a lake, and life was great. Um, we had our two kids by then. Um, I had lost one child in between my first two, and... Still, we felt life was good. I, my husband's a wonderful man. I think you heard him. And I enjoyed being married to him. But he also was a good provider. And we moved to this lovely neighborhood. And the exciting thing is, is that the neighborhood had a pool. And when I was sitting at the pool one day, watching my kids at the pool, uh, one of my neighbors invited me to a neighborhood Bible study. Mm. And it was through that simple invitation that I ended up going to this Bible study, the atheist at this point, going to the neighborhood Bible study and without a Bible, <laughs> and actually um, getting to know women who were women truly of faith. And as I sat there in that Bible study, I realized that I knew nothing. And I had always been a very good student, and I would try and do my Bible lessons, and I didn't get it. I just mm -hmm. totally didn't get it. And finally, <clears throat> I, I went one week, and we had a guest speaker. And one of my hang-ups uh, as I semi-intellectual was that the Bible was not the Word of God. And that day, of all the topics she could have spoken on, she spoke on how we can know that the Bible is the Word of God mm -hmm. and the inerrancy of the Word. And because of what it says, we can take faith in what it says about Jesus Christ and the whole story of Jesus from the Old to the New Testament, how he had preserved uh, the scriptures, even the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of those things to show us that he was God. So that day she presented the, the simple gospel that Jesus Christ had died for my sins and that if I had been the only person on the earth he would have died for my sins, and that I could know him personally. Um, and that I think I had missed the whole concept that 
God was a transcendent God, that he wanted to be involved in my life totally. And so at, in a simple act of faith that day, um, as she shared Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, that is a gift of God, not as a result of works. I asked Christ to come into my life, and it was a life-changing event. Um, I, I found that the exciting thing was is I do my Bible studies now, and I could actually understand them now that I understood what Christ had done and his plan for my life. And I was very fortunate in that the woman who spoke that day uh, challenged me to become a part of a discipleship group. And, and that's basically what we want to talk about today is the importance of discipleship. Because she trained me in the faith. She taught me Bible doctrine, uh, important, deep Bible doctrine. And I haven't realized until recently that a lot of women don't have the benefit of having an understanding the truth of God's Word all the way through. And that's simply all that Bible doctrine is. And well, and I want to stop for a second and and point out that all of this, and, you know, my mom mentioned she came to faith, you know, because of this Bible study. But it started at a pool. Yes. And a, and a woman being bold enough to approach you and invite you into something. And I think there's a fear amongst um, my generation. I don't, I don't know if there was a fear then, but there was a fear in my generation that we don't want to be too churchy or mm-hmm. kind of assume someone would want to, you know, let's just not bother them. They're too busy. I don't want to invite them to that because I don't want to pressure them with my faith. Um, but I think we need to be aware that just inviting someone to come along, you never know the impact that can have because you came to faith and you led my dad to faith and, you know, all of us kids. And um, just that I think in Jesus' parable of the sower, like the good soil, if it's good soil, it's going to reap exponential harvest. And so that person, yes, you know, you may invite 10 people and only one person says yes, but it's 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 throwing out the seed and letting God bring it to grow and um, but just taking those risks. And so I do want to highlight, take the risk, take the risk, invite the person. Once you know the person has accepted faith, that's when the discipleship process happens, that Jesus called his disciples. Yes. They believed he was Jesus, otherwise mm-hmm. they wouldn't have followed. So there was a faith that he was God, that they knew he was God. And then there was a discipleship process. And um, you had mentioned before we started recording that the whole discipleship process comes from a specific ministry. Yes, uh, actually the vision was uh, of discipleship for the woman that discipled me came from Campus Crusade for Christ because the woman who had led her to the Lord was involved in the Campus Crusade for Christ ministry. So therefore, um, it was just natural for her to transfer to me the vision that she'd been given. And Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very clearly, it's the very last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left them. And he said to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. 
And the important thing, he then said, and lo, I am with you always. And I think that that was probably one of the most important things I learned, is that it was not me, but it was Christ through me. And that simply sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, simply discipling in the power of the Holy Spirit, and leaving the results to God. And um, he was going to always be with me. And I think that that's been the most comforting thing in my Christian walk is, like you say, the, the simple thing of inviting someone to come to something. Uh, I have a Spanish tutor, and we just talk about God. And my, my cleaning lady sees me reading the Bible, and we talk about God. Even though she speaks Spanish and no English, it's interesting that just even praying together, it can have an effect. So in the simplest acts, uh, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, we can draw others to faith in Him. And I was, I was thinking discipleship, for someone listening, may not know that word. I mean, you, yes. They may have heard Jesus and His disciples, I think in a secular way, you've even heard, you know, mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, the, the disciple. The discipleship is kind of a big word, but what it really means is helping coming along someone mm-hmm. to know how to live out their faith. Right. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 says, finding faithful men who you can train so that they will train others also. And the whole idea of multiplication is, um, and the multiplication process is, that it's great that I learned how to share my faith in a wonderful way. I, it was wonderful that I learned basic Bible doctrine so that when the tough times came, I knew the truth about God and knew that He would never leave me or forsake me. Um, That I learned how to study the Bible. That I learned how to pray. The simple acts of Christian faith that many of you probably already know, but to be taught them systematically so that when times got rough and I didn't feel like praying and I didn't feel like reading the Bible, I had Bible memory verses to fall back on. I had the discipline of doing this even though I didn't feel like it, even though life circumstances weren't good. And that's what discipleship does. Then you turn around those things that were poured into me by the woman who loved me and led me to the Lord, turn around and pour those into others. And so So I remember as a little kid coming down the stairs and your group would be sitting around the table and you usually would have like four or five women... Is that right? Yes. I try and keep the group small, but never one-on-one. And uh, usually it's women who have come to me and asked if I will mentor them. Uh, Right now I have a discipleship class and a mentoring class going on, and I really don't see that much different in it, except that mentoring goes even a little further. Because discipleship should be based upon love. And if your motive is to check off, okay, supposed to pray, supposed to do the Bible, supposed to, it doesn't mean anything. But if it's done as Christ did with his disciples, out of love and a love for them, and knowing that he was going to give them the building blocks for them to reach the whole known world with the gospel of Christ. And that's what he wants for us, is to have a love for the women around us. And so I find women that I am particularly drawn to, who I see really love the Lord and want to grow in Him. And then so I think I that's, challenge a, that's, a, that's a, mm-hmm. a precursor. It is. One, it them is. coming to you and asking for it, so they have to have a willing mm-hmm. heart. Yes. Two, that they have a true desire to know God, that this isn't just something that they're checking off their list that I can say I am in a discipleship group. Like mm-hmm. that they 
really are hung, hungry and thirsting for righteousness. Like, absolutely. So, um, so you set up this group, and you got the women, mm-hmm. and then do you use a particular curriculum? What? How do you know what to do? Well, interestingly, I've just recently changed my curriculum. I've always used Campus Crusade for Christ, Ten Basic Steps, which is basically walks you through uh, the basic doctrines of Scripture uh, and prayer and how to love by faith and all of those uh, things. Uh, but the most important was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And <clears throat> I cannot tell you, even pastors' wives uh, and people who have been in the missionary field, when I share with them the truth of understanding that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and that we can lean upon Him and His understanding and not ourselves and that we need to empty ourselves of ourselves, our sin, confess our sins, keep ourselves clean and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, to direct us, to guide us. Um, That was so freeing. Now, does that mean I do it perfectly? No. No. (laughs) No. Because I'm still in the flesh. I don't have my glorified body, but it's just another um, beautiful thing that Christ has done for us. He's provided us with the Holy Spirit, and any ministry that he's called us to, he said, faithful as he calls you who also will do it, and what he meant was that the Holy Spirit in and through us will draw him into himself, will, when he says, lo, I'm with you always, meaning that He's called us to disciple, but he is going to be there with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I could never do that because I would not have the right thing to say. What you're saying is we can do, if we have God, we can do this. We're called to do this because, one, we have the Holy Spirit with us. Two, Jesus is with us. We don't have to have it all together. No. So, So you would use the Campus Crusade tools, but you said you have a new curriculum now? I do. It's uh, Francis Chan's Multiply, and I really like it because um, I think it really focuses on more than just checking off discipleship. It really encourages the discipler to continue their growth and their faith, Mm -hmm. and um, and it becomes less of a check-off list. And, and if you want to use Campus Crusade material or any other material, as long as you're using something. But I think the thing that, that as I've grown in the Lord and, and done more and more discipling that I realize, I used to think that the women had to finish my discipleship class. Like in how many weeks would you say? <laughs> oh, usually I was spending like 18 months with a discipleship class. Okay. Now, um, but I'm never done with them. Right. They continue to be my friends. I continue to check up on them to see what they're doing in the Lord. So once you've made that commitment, you realize it's a commitment. And that's the reason a lot of women don't do discipleship. They are so racked for time as it is. That's yeah. just another thing to pull on their time. But if you realize that these women are going to feed life into you, because as I disciple women, they feed life into me as they share what God is doing in their life. It, it excites me more about my faith. And just the women I've discipled in Costa Rica already, now three of them are discipling their maids, their gardeners. Right. It's, it's just very exciting. Good. Yeah, I think that that, I think so much of what we do for God, we think, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the time. We forget that it actually is what brings true joy. Like it's not 
it's not another task. It's not like unloading the dishwasher. It's like his work, and that's what we're here for. It's an mm-hmm. eternal purpose. And, um, you know, really, souls are what are going to last for eternity, so investing there, that's the where we should be spending our time. So you have these groups. You said you don't do 18 months anymore. What's your plan now? Like, how long does it take? Well, the, the multiply material actually takes a little over six months to go through but during that time I'm teaching the women to, and that's not part of it in the multiply that I would love to see them add to the curriculum teaching them how to develop their own personal testimony so that in maybe a three minute time if someone says how come you're always so upbeat when bad things happen you can quickly say well this is why so kind of teaching them evangelism skills teaching them evangelism skills um even though that's, that's a part of it, um, and also uh, asking them to be praying about um, a life verse, because I think it's very important to have a life verse uh, that just sort of focuses you, and I think if I would say that to any, many of the women, when I say, think of a life verse, they go, oh, I don't have one, and I say, what's the verse that first comes to your mind? And usually that ends up being what their life verse is. It's the verse that's held them through. And for me, it's for me to live as Christ and to die as gay. Mm-hmm. Because it sort of puts everything in perspective for me. Um, and then also to write uh, a mission statement, a mm-hmm. personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. Because we as Christian women, as I said, have so many things that pull on us that are good things. Um, but is it God's very best for us? Right. And so having a personal mission statement really helps. Uh, it often is written upon uh, God's call on your life, but also on your spiritual gift. And so one of the other things I do as part of discipleship that is not part of the Francis Chan is to help women identify their spiritual gifts if they don't know them and uh, encourage them in the development of that. So It sounds good. So what if... I'm just trying to think of someone who's like, well, I've never even been discipled. I don't know. I've never written out my testimony. I don't have a life verse. I don't know my spiritual gifts. You know, mm-hmm. how would you suggest, who should they reach out to? Because are these disciples available? Yeah. And and I would imagine in your church, wherever you go to church, there's probably a woman in your church that you admire who is either teaching a Bible study or you see her, it may even be working with children brilliantly, Um, that may be the person that you need to go to. Um, And and they may not even realize that they could do that. No. I think a lot of people don't, you know, I think in Matthew I was reading, you know, to those who've been given much, right, much will be expected. And I think for us that's the knowledge we have of Jesus and the access we have to his word and the, I think for me, like, I've known God since kindergarten, so much is required of me. Yes. So I think to just say, well, I can't do that because I have to take my kids to ballet and all that. Well, if you've been, you know, I, I would, if you find a woman in church and you say, yeah, she's got it, and she says, well, I don't have time, and, you know, maybe have her <laughs> listen to this podcast and maybe tell her, you know, it's going to be simple. We'll just get this Francis Chan multiply curriculum if you would just meet with me once a week um, for coffee whatever you make it easy for that person you may be helping them and, and they may 
reap the benefits and the rewards heavenly for you even bringing it up. I think that it's not something a lot of people talk about day in, day out. I know I have a friend from high school who's constantly posting on Facebook these wonderful discipleship things he's a part of, and I think it's awesome. He is just just really modeling on a social media platform how he meets with people, how he has coffee with people, how he's training people to then go train disciple work. So, um, and his name's Troy Cooper. Maybe I'll put that in the show notes, and I'll put the Francis Chan curriculum in the show notes. But um, any any last words you have of encouragement about discipleship? No, but it's just a blessing. It will cause you in obedience because you're being obedient to the Lord. Mm. Yeah to actually become excited about your faith. Um, and it's an accountability for you also. Right. Um, if we're sharing our faith, <coughs> it makes a difference in how we live. Right. <coughs> and my mom is getting over a cold. But I think that what she ended on is exactly true. If we are sharing our faith, we can't just say the words and not be living it we have to walk the walk and especially if we're leading others they can't be expected to follow if we're just talking so um thanks mom for sharing your experience with discipleship and your vision and your ministry in costa rica thanks Thank for being you. here oh and it's a love to be here love to be with a special daughter all right well thanks y'all for listening I hope that you are inspired to either disciple or find someone who can disciple you and that we can all grow to know God more and to share the gospel. I just am overwhelmed with God's grace and goodness in giving me the parents that he gave me. Um, Having done these two interviews, one with my dad about donut dates and then this one with my mom about discipleship, um, I feel blessed. And uh, I want you all to know that I do not take it for granted. I also... My mom had wanted me to add on that um, because she started coughing, she wasn't able to encourage you moms who are listening that what you do with your children is discipleship, that um, when you're training them in prayer and reading Bible stories and guiding them into memorizing scripture, that that is discipleship and that God sees you and he will bless you for your obedience and how you guide them. And um, I just want to encourage you that when you're talking in the car with your kids about um, a Bible story or a doctrine that um, God sees that and he, he, he is pleased with every little thing that you do to lead your children to him. I also want to let you know that on the blog post that coincides with this podcast, I'm going to add in the show notes a link to um, another site called Missional Women. I found out two of my friends, Angie Pratt and Laura Krupp, Crocos are having discipleship groups through Facebook and they're actually setting those up um, at the end of this month uh, in January. So I wanted to make sure I let you all know about that if you were interested in joining an online discipleship group, um, that that was an option. Thanks for listening to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I hope you enjoyed our guests as much as I did. And if you're looking for resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. I want you to know that God is just as present at your kitchen sink as your church pew, that he sees your service and he is pleased. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. 
He will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.